Welcome everyone. Looks like we are broadcasting live from a secret location of ARCS Studios. Just making that up. So uh, welcome again to ARCS Chat to a very special edition, uh, a part two of our chat that we had in December called the Post-COVID Courier. Welcome, the everyone. idea of course being that we did not address all of the questions that were left hanging Hopefully everybody is uh, signed into their YouTube account because uh, we are going to be mostly taking all of your questions today because we realized we didn't get uh, to everything that we intended to discuss the last time. So uh, with that, I hope you have everything uh, loaded up and uh, firing away in the chat. Um, couple uh, logistical things. Um, there is another webinar happening at this very moment, so uh, we appreciate you actually, uh, you know, broadcasting or you know attending this one. Um, when you do put your your questions in the chat, please uh, be patient because not only are there going to be a lot of questions, but also there are um, there's a significant de de delay, delay between uh, when we talk and what we see. So it's a, it's a probably at least thirty seconds. So uh, with uh, with that in mind. I'm gonna introduce our panel that's gonna be helping us to field your questions today. Um, first off, Cayetana Castillo from the Art Institute of Chicago. She is the uh, Executive Director for Collections and Loans. And uh, she gave a uh, AAMD sponsored presentation last summer about their virtual courier program that got a lot of a lot of attention so um, we're going to talk with her a little bit about that in addition we have tiffany charles the head of exhibitions registration at the field museum also in chicago and uh, she is also on the aam traveling exhibitions logistics and wait 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 traveling exhibitions network logistics working group you got it there we go <laughs> it only took me a couple times so um, so she's going to be talking with us a little bit about that. So without uh, any further delay, uh, let's get the conversation started before we head to the questions, because I want to find out um, from Cayetana how, since she gave that presentation, since you gave that presentation uh, last summer, uh, up until now, in those six months, how has your, can you describe a little bit of your virtual courier program uh, and how you manage it and then how the response has been and how you have found that it's working uh, since you started implementing it. Hi, good afternoon, everyone, and good morning for those that are not yet there. Um, yeah, so we, our, what we call um, courier, a virtual courier is, is kind of like a compilation of different alternative options. So what we, you know, we do appoint one person that acts as before we had a physical courier, but it's someone that virtually oversees, uh, you know, every step of the art in motion. And it do it, uh, we do it via a standardized set of procedures, which the checklist point is one that is being shared with you all. And we're happy to share it with everyone else because it helps us to do an enhanced supervision. Um, you know, the use of technology and the smart uh, devices, the sensors, the uh, life trackers, and then, you know, the network of qualified professionals that we've been um, nurturing over the years. So we've, um, since the, you know, since the lockdown, I guess, we've been um, 
shipping more than 50 uh, individual loans um, and the result cannot be better, meaning that the outcome is there were now incidents and we don't have anything damaged, which at the end is what we want, right? Um, so that's, it's all been very, um, it's been very uh, encouraging. Um, everyone is being flexible, uh, understanding, and willing to test and to prove all the alternatives that we were putting in place. And so that's helped us to, uh, you know, tweak more things. And probably during the conversation, I will have more opportunity to explain in detail some of those. But that's what we understand is the courier and how it worked for us. Now, um, Tiffany, has uh, does the Field Museum do anything, um, you know, as a non-art museum? Are they operating in a way that is, is different? Do you have a virtual courier um, protocol? Uh, we we don't have a protocol specifically. We're actually working on it now because uh, what what we do in, in exhibitions registration is uh, specific to this topic is the traveling exhibitions program. Um, so that is our couriers going out with um, uh, with these exhibitions, and that has that has changed obviously uh, during the pandemic because we can't actually travel with uh, the fine art shippers. So that has changed. I will say that we still, uh, we still go out and install everything. We haven't stopped doing that. Um, and I'm happy to kind of go into details of how we have uh, tweaked that, um, that process. But um, the, other, the only other thing that we, we would deal with couriers is um, if anything were to come in from another uh, museum, so a lo an incoming loan, um, and any of their couriers. Of course, we don't have that happening right now uh, because, well, I shouldn't say of course, but we don't have that happening right now because we're just not at that stage in any of our exhibition development. Um, we will be soon, and uh, we have to, we will have to start, we will have to use virtual couriers um, if anybody wants anything, uh, if anybody wants a courier on any incoming, uh, incoming loans. And I should clarify too that you're both in Chicago, and, and Chicago is currently locked down again. Museums are completely closed. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, Tiffany, you're also a part of the AEM um, Ten Logistics Working Group, as it's yeah. being called. So, um, what what's where are how did that group form, and, and and what are you working on at the moment? Yeah. So um, there was a. Uh, you know, a call for people to join this group. Uh, when the pandemic started, this is the Traveling Exhibits Network of AAM. So they were specifically looking at the logistics, uh, what logistics would look like during this pandemic. And so we're here as part of ARCS talking about couriers specifically. Uh, they were looking at it kind of more ho holistically, uh, what, uh, what the logistics looks like for and then something like ours, a, a Traveling Exhibits program, um, and you know all of the all of the people invi involved, from the fine art shippers to our production staff to everybody who usually um, would work on that, and not only getting things from point A to point B, but how we would all work together. Uh, and there is discussion of doing that virtually. Um, again, we haven't yet, and as far as I know, we're the only museum that. And of course, I'll probably get a bunch of messages now, but we're the only ones that I've known of that continue to go out and work on these uh, traveling exhibits. There was a time when everything was shut down and our exhibits were staying in place. 
Um, but we've always gone and, um, and installed and deinstalled them. Yeah. And, and so you were saying uh, before we went online that, uh, that the working group hasn't met many times yet, but um, so is it, is it safe to say like if people have uh, comments or, you know, things that they want that working group to address, they can put them in the chat here and we can make sure that you get that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, early, I think it's early times and, and uh, there have been kind of scheduling difficulties, of course, with the pandemic, it's understandable. Uh, but the times we did uh, meet, it was kind of just going over what our experiences were thus far. And, um, and there was this great survey that they had put out with a lot of really important questions that we asked early on in, um, in our, uh, you know, kind of figuring out what our process would look like. Um, some of those questions were really useful to our traveling procedures now. Um, so absolutely, if anybody, you know, we're supposed to meet again soon. And um, if anybody has anything that they have, you know, questions or considerations, please, you know, drop it in the chat. Okay, great. Well, um, let's see, does anybody have any questions yet so far from our, um, from our group, Amanda? No questions yet, just a lot of hellos from all over the place. We welcome you all from, for joining us, but definitely if you have questions, put them in the chat. We'll address them with our panelists um, and do it, do it live. Okay, great. Well, so um, I don't know if everyone had a chance to see the, uh, the Google Doc that Art Institute of Chicago puts together for their um, virtual courier procedures, but it's, it's a full thing uh, and it's, it's a full process that's detailed out uh, and um, it's available to see on their, their website. Uh, I, I think it was in the email that we sent out publicizing uh, the event. Um, but if you don't, we'll, we'll put it in the uh, chat. But um, Cayetana, I do want to um, check in on that because you essentially, you know, outlined what this pro process would be uh, in the summer, right? So you, you talked about, you know, the various checkpoints where it's critical to have certain information and or uh, photos, video, if possible. Um, and I want to know, like, how did you come to develop this process? And um, and I assume that, you know, as the months went on, you were tweaking it and, and, and adjusting it uh, as you went. So what what did that process look like? And, um, and what were some of the changes that you had to implement along the way? Yes, that's, that's a good question. I think that what we started to, you know, we I guess that the the, um, the focus has shifted to instead of like the person, the physical presence, to the actual operation. And we, I don't think I had seen like something, you know, we all knew uh, and know what are the steps of when you're putting something on the road, but there wasn't, you know, some, some, some shippers give you a phone call, sometimes they send you a WhatsApp, some others, you know, it depends. And we kind of trusted the person that was with the object to make sure that things were doing the way we wanted. Sometimes at the end of that, you know, in nothing, probably we wouldn't hear anything if things were fine. Um, but we, I actually was seeing that we didn't have like a report of how things were being done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the end of a courier trip, the person is either, um, you know, tire or, you know, it goes back into their day-to-day. -day. It didn't have the time to put together a brief report of how things were going. So I guess that identifying where, where, where are all those steps or blind spots that we thought we needed a person, 
would start helping us to go over the process. So I think I did the first the first draft, and then between my team and some of the feedback we gotten, we started to kind of like tweaking all those steps. And I think that we arrived to, I think they are 18 or 19 points for an international trip from door to door, and then another nine when it's domestic. And that's being very helpful. Um, we, you know, it kind of like substitutes the itinerary of the courier. Remember those itineraries that we did where it says like the hotel, the courier, per diem, all that kind of thing. We didn't have to do that. So this is actually the itinerary of the work in which are the, 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 the stakeholders or the participants in each of the steps that are going to be with the object. So those are the people that can send us some documentation, some information, and we wanted to make sure that everyone did it the same, in the same way. So we're starting to realize that standardizing was the right approach because it's not only made everyone in our team, for example, and when I said our team, not only the registrars, but also the collection manager of that specific curatorial department that is sending the piece or the conservator in charge of making the condition report or, you know, the borrower institution. So everyone was know, knew what to expect and at what time. So that's gone over, you know, after, as I said, uh, a few versions. Finally, we decided that what we had was complete enough. That doesn't mean that we're going to change it, but I think that is pretty solid. And that is also made everyone, when you are sending something and then different time zones, everyone keep it on the same page. I think that for um, shippers has, have been, has been very useful because they know now what to, you know, they know what are we expecting. Therefore, they can fulfill those services feeling that, you know, oh, I didn't know that you wanted that. Or, you know, it's like, is there. And to the point that sometimes we have, and we can share this too. I mean, we had, you know, all that communications happening on a, on a, on a digital platform, on a Slack for us. But, you know, um, European agents actually naming their message with the checkpoint 17, checkpoint 18, and they send whatever it is, either, you know, a text or, um, or a photo of what they're doing. So, it feels that everyone seems to appreciate the standardization of the process. Mm -hmm. And the more standardization, the more confident we all feel towards, towards you know, this operation not being under our own eyes. So I think that that's being extremely helpful for that. That's great. And um, so to, to clarify, part of your, your, your process and, um, and um, the checking in at each checkpoint requires the the agent at the other end to be on slack is that correct yes so you would have someone doing tarmac supervision for example and they would say or the palletization supervision and they would post a message on slack saying you know uh here's here's a photo of the palletized uh pallet of the palletized palletized crates um that that and they would say checkpoint 17 and you know whatever yeah, and, and, and so the idea is that, you know, whomever is doing acting as a courier mm -hmm. is home, right, or in the office, and is live following that. So we can make recommendations or have a chat right there in, at the moment in real time and say, like, you know, well, masterpiece, I don't know if I can you show me that the strap is there on the crate. So we actually have very good archives on some of those that, I'm, I mean, I'm, we're willing to share with you guys. You know, we've done a lot of a lot of work on getting all these processes right. 
And so we'll be happy to share with everyone because I think that if they're, they were good for us and they're good for us, could be good for anyone. Have you had a, a problem with um, anyone not wanting to use Slack or, um, or a problem getting photos and video from the checkpoints that you, that you require? No, I think that um, we've had actually more than what I was expecting, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Photos of the tarmac of being loaded inside the, inside the, inside the, the plane, like in the old times. Yeah. Um, so we had like really good photos and even more than you would ever, you know, would expect like the, the truck in front of the car of the agent. So, um, but so we thought about the, the Slack channel because we know that Slack is one of the platforms, but could be others in Europe that use more teams, for example. Um, but we wanted to, because all these platforms are being now, you know, I know that Google has one now too. Um, we wanted something that it was free for everyone, that we could have people external, they're not only from our own team, and also that the verification process was easier. So we realized, for example, that Teams has one step more than Slack when you download it and verify. So we wanted to avoid all that, but also wanted to be a, an um, a safe enough platform. So we, for example, we also considered WhatsApp at some point, which in Europe is super uh, used, and that we didn't have the, the guarantee of the safety of the information that they were doing. Um, and I actually, we, we, we work with our uh, IT department and the security person, uh, the network security person in our, in our museum. When we, we had uh, a conversation with Slack about that. And so we haven't found, I think that people at first maybe don't know the platform, especially in Europe, um, but they, when they, we have a specific set of rules too, and we do a dry run, something that, you know, to make sure that everyone understands. Um, and it's been, it's been doing, you know, it's been, it's been well received. No one has said, no, I'm not going to use a Slack, for example. This is great. All right. So it looks like we have some questions coming in. So, uh, Amanda, tell us what's going on in the chat. Well, keeping in the conversation about using Slack as a, a platform to communicate with other lenders, borrowers, et cetera, have you had any security issues or breaches of security? Like we had when Zoom started coming out, <laughs> we had some Zoom bombing. Have you had any experiences like that with Slack or do they have built-in security in place? Yeah, that's what I was kind of like following what I was just saying. Uh, we met with the Slack and the security person in IT and we went over their security policies uh, that have to do with, you know, the use the same, the same uh, guidelines that, for example, for health um, or for um, law enforcement or for financial security, and they have the same protocols in place. So the expert in my team from, I, well, my team from uh, uh, technology, IT, said, this is fine, Cayetana, you should be fine. And that's, that's what I've been uh, working with. So I just like to feel that we can trust those professionals. So I, I don't need to know more than they do. You didn't have to request any special security. This is just what Slack comes with, right? Correct. With them? Okay, yeah. All right, Amanda, what else is happening? Um, a good question came in about tackling more complicated objects for display. Like say, for example, you have a 3D object that has a more complicated mount for installation. Usually they'd send a courier or a lender would possibly send a courier that has experience installing the object. Have you or your organizations kind of limited 
traveling those objects at this point? Or are you still finding success with traveling those um, and still using virtual couriers? Yes, that's a good question. Um, we are not going to say no to loans because we are not sending a courier. I think that is part of the mission that we keep lending. And it's down to us as professionals to figure out the way to do this in the safest way possible. So what we are, one of the, of the questions that you say, why someone that, um, you know, do we trust that someone at the other end is going to be able to do the same thing as we do? I think that sometimes it kind of comes down to the, to the um, you know, like, do we have the instructions of handling something well documented? Is that something that someone as a, as a qualified professional at the other end could not do? Um, you know, we do, we've all probably seen, you know, registrars, art handlers, conservators leaving our institution, being sick. What happens that that work cannot be handled by anyone else? I guess that sometimes what happens is that our records are not great or not, you know, we don't leave them, you know, even when we are record keepers at heart and we want to do document everything, maybe sometimes we just go with what we remember someone has been there before, therefore let that person do it. And I think that in a way it's kind of a loss of knowledge if that person moves on. And I do believe, and, and probably the, the registrars, the freelance registrars that are in the, in the audience can attest to that. If they are hired to do a job for a collection that they've never seen, of they've never handled, they know what questions to ask, they know what resources to use. And so enhancing that trust in those professionals of the other end and also having close collaboration, maybe virtually, you know, uh, of like, who is going to be the assigned art handler to manage my piece at the other end? Okay two months in advance or three months in advance. Let me tell you what it needs to happen. Let me put you in writing what needs to happen. Maybe send a video clip, maybe, you know, all these things that I think there's still things that we need to do, but I, I truly believe it's possible. I, I wanna um, jump in. I, I, want, I want Tiffany to sort of uh, elaborate uh, on how they do it at the Field Museum because you mentioned earlier that you're still installing everything yourselves. Um, and uh, can you elaborate on that, like why you're doing it and, um, and how you are doing it during these lockdown times? Yeah, um, so uh, we do have protocols in place for the people that are uh, going, um, you know, going to the other, to the venues. Uh, so we, we try to bookend things. Now, one of the things that was discussed in the previous, um, in the previous chat, that is interesting is, is when we decide on a, when a courier uh, travels with something. And, um, you know, I don't want to, ours is, is not arbitrary, but we don't have a set standard. It's kind of just like on a case by case basis. Um, and that might always be the way just because they are so, you know, every exhibit is so unique and the objects um, are unique and, and have unique like qualifications for what might require a courier. Um, but, so uh, we, I, I have considered, we have considered certain things that might be um, too fragile, even for that time, that short time that we don't have somebody there, which on an exclusive truck throughout the country, it's usually like a day. Um, so that 24 hour period, uh, what that looks like. And so we have, you know, again, we have the access to the, the live feed and the multi-sensor information and all that data. Um, and what I'm, well, what I'm going to encounter soon, we're traveling a new exhibit. Um, it's based on 
the the Sioux um, T Rex uh, is if if that's if that's enough if there's something more that needs to happen. Um, we had uh, the first time one of our exhibits went out without a courier during the pandemic, we had an incident uh, on the road and, you know, these things happen, but there was just that, um, that what I felt as uh, a lack of uh, my ability to manage that successfully uh, because, you know, the, the, the data was coming in slowly and there was kind of, you know, um, getting information from my registrar who was on site and the uh, the fine art shippers and them sort of going through what what might have happened and what might have caused this um, this incident and uh, you know I just there's no based on that I feel there's no replacing um, a person on a truck or with a shipment um, so we it's are what your we're, person right yeah I mean. And not and not just a, a book in conservator or yeah. registrar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that so what we are doing is we are book ending right now. Uh, so I have a registrar who's at. So when it leaves the field, somebody at the field, um, then I'm driving out for this next for this next um, exhibition. I'm driving out and I plan to be there uh, to receive it. Uh, so and I do intend to review all of the data that I get um, for every every transport until we can start traveling with them again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what it looks like right now is just that book ending. And then of course we are there for all of these, um, for all of the installations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> all right, it looks like we have some questions. Amanda, what's, uh, what's happening in the chat? Anything? Um, Many things. Many wonderful questions people are sharing and we are trying to get to all of them. Um, I will say like, feel free, like when uh, people that are in the chat, feel free to respond to questions that are in the chat because we, we yes. want more opinions than just uh, our own up here. Absolutely. Uh, one of the questions that came through was the experience with installing in the galleries with virtual couriers. couriers uh, some are concerned that it might be a distraction to have a virtual courier during an installation, but I'm curious to hear how the experience has been, at least maybe with AIC um, and their installations. Um, I agree it could be a distraction. I think that they, that we can do a lot better. Uh, but I think in our case it's been fine. We have, I think that for in our, um, in our case, or the way we see it at least, is that once it's under a museum professional custody, I think that the risk diminishes versus being on the road with no one there and only the, the shipping agent. And so it's a process that we are trying to get uh, polished, but it worked well for us. Um, we had to stage, there's a lot of staging. You know, when you are from, a, you know, when you are away and you are just looking at the camera, you wanna have a good experience. You wanna be able to go into the, into the, into the, into the, um, the video conference and know have a, something that's similar as if you were entering into that gallery and feel the climate control, right? And say, you can say, so So that, that kind of thing, for example, is one of the things that we are kind of staging, right? So when we connect, there's one person that introduces everyone and we tell that person what is going to happen, right? To the virtual courier at the other end is like, this is the operation going to be. This person is going to be assigned to do this. We're going to put it in this table. We're going to condition report it. This is the conservator and then so on. 
uh, steel is one of those things that we're trying to identify what's the best uh, technology that we can have. Uh, we've used a GoPro, we use um, um, iPads, we use different uh, methods of video conferencing. And I think that that's going to be uh, the challenge with the new uh, technology that is being around. I mean, we are testing different things right now. Um, but there are other, I've, I've, I've looked into, there are other industries, um, you know, health is been using the, you know, even doing operations um, lately. Uh, the fashion world has some things like big mirrors that could be used and get this smart. So we're trying to uh, look for what could be a good experience. So when you are at the other end, you know, you trust that, that person. And that's the other part of our policy, right? The trust on the professionals. And if there's being um, work done beforehand of collaborating to explain what is that I need, maybe by the time it's, it's a matter of opening and installing, it's just a matter of like checking in because you know that things are there. But I do believe, but I do think that having very good technology is going to enhance our, the, um, you know, the experience. And so people will feel that it's not the same, but it's very close and I don't need to be there. Yep. Amanda, what else, what else are they saying? What are the kids? Good question. Yeah. Yeah. A good question that came through um, that I think makes a fair point is cost with um, managing vir the virtual activity that comes with uh, our, our policies now in terms of not necessarily from your collection, but possibly loans coming in for an exhibition. Have you seen costs increase or demand on staff time increase for those scenarios? Is that for me too? Or for uh, Tiffany? Oh, I, I think either one of you can answer yeah. it. Um, well, I think that, um, the, you know, uh, I'm not sure if, if managing the virtual courier is more time that we win managing the physical courier. We all know how much time one expends, you know, making sure that the date is right, that we get the ticket, that we speak to the shipping agent, we get the per diem, the hotel, the back and forth. Um, sometimes I remember when I first came in AIC, we were requesting a W9 per person that come from Europe. And it was like, it was a big, a big ordeal. Um, so, and then the time of that people being away and they're not in the museum. You know, like if you do three days for a domestic and five days for international, we end up having, you know, 70 loans or more a year. There's a lot of time that we have people that are not in the museum. So I'm not sure that the time the virtual courier is taking more time or is, certainly is not costing more. Uh, in terms of the time, uh, I do think also that these are especially a stressful situation and we are, this is all new for us. So we're trying to so setting up the process is what is taking time. Once this is standardized, I don't, I think it's going to be as when we were, you know, it's going to be part of our system and it's not going to be as time consuming as it is now. Yeah. Tiffany, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I'll, I'll just add that, you know, I think that we will certainly look at AIC's uh, procedures because as we move forward, we will be, you know, it goes again to this, um, the trust that we have in our colleagues uh, when oftentimes once we deinstall, there's of course this period of time before things are picked up. Uh, during the pandemic, because we don't have couriers waiting on those trucks to go with them, people have come back, the registrar has come back to Chicago. So uh, we're going to need to trust our, um, our colleagues at the other institution 
to uh, do that final load and to do the security checks and things like that. Um, so to have, you know, to not be starting from scratch, to have something that AIC has already created is, is very useful. And I think that we'll certainly look to that uh, for those procedures. It's ours are, you know, there's less involved because things will already be, have been, um, you know, deinstalled and, and condition reported and, and created with us there. Uh, but there is that final check uh, before it heads out. And then conversely at the next venue, if we're not there at that time, which it's kind of a long explanation, but with the way we stagger things, we might not be there when that truck arrives to have somebody else on that end and to have those procedures in place is, uh, yeah, I think that will be half the battle. And I certainly think that, um, you know, that compared to what we would do with a courier on that truck, which would be, um, they arrive with that, they, uh, they unload, and then there's often a wait time. Um, the courier might come back and another registrar might go out. So there's a cost associated with that that doesn't happen with the virtual courier. I mean, I, look, right off the top of my head, I would just say, like, if the costs aren't radically cheaper, no one's going to continue doing this as soon as everyone's get, got a vaccine, right? But, I mean, they would be. I mean, I've done courier trips where I was one of 30-plus couriers, right? And, I mean, not only is that absurd, but it's, like, the cost of that, you know, if you can, if you can limit that to five, that same exhibit, I mean, look, the costs are radically cheaper. Of course, that's an incoming um, expense, but incoming loan expense. But um, I think the technology is there as well. Um, you know, we've got plenty to work with at the moment to, I think, to make people feel comfortable and realizing that it's only going to get better should be reassuring. Um, but um, all right, so let's go for more questions. I, I mean, I could, I could riff on this all day long, but uh, it's not my, not my uh, questions. Um, another good one that's come in a couple from a couple of different participants is insurance and concerns regarding whether this has impacted the, the rates of insurance because an object is traveling without a person. Um, and, and if you've run into any of those issues with any loans you've been managing. Uh, no, um, we haven't run into that. Um, I think that, uh, and this is something that I have raised before because I had worked in Europe and, 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 and insurance there works a little differently. Um, I haven't seen the time I work with uh, blanket policies, no policy that says if you don't send a courier, the premium is going to be this much. If you do, it's going to be this little um, or, le or this less. I think that the insurance uh, and brokers uh, operate based on best practices. And those best practices are set by the museums, by us, not by them. So there may be, I think that the main, the main issue for insurance companies is the history of damages and incidents because they can track on those. And then the natural disasters. Uh, if you are in a museum, there is. So those are the two main things that drive the premiums. And obviously, if this, if this practice is going to start raising concerns, they'll probably go and, and raise the premiums. But I wouldn't like to second guess what the, what the insurers are going to say, because I do, be, for one, because we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but I just don't believe that we're going to get there. I mean, most of the, um, so that's what I think that um, I would like to go to something that because we are automating a lot of things, a lot of the admin stuff that we used to do, running lists, queries, organizing all these queer things, 
we in the Art Institute, first, we don't have to do them. And secondly, um, a lot of that stuff is automated. A lot of that tedious administrative stuff. So we can devote time to do some other things. And one thing that I have, I guess that I've learned when I was in Europe is that there the policies, instead of being a one blanket policy that you buy in advance and kind of like everything is in there, the on-site rate, the uh, traveling rate and the tourism rate is all in one big thing, they have a separated. And so the rate of the transit is a little higher, but the times where you have something in transit is a lot less than when you have on site. And so all these things I think are actually, for example, the tracker, I think is going to be super helpful for the insurance companies because now they can see, I don't have to make much effort to, sh to send them a full report of how many things I have on site uh, or um, on site or traveling and what is the exposure. So I can say, look, at the end of the day, this is my exposure every time I have exactly the times and what happened. And then you can, you can give me something that is more customized to my actual activity. So for now, so in short, um, I haven't found, we haven't found that. Uh, they trust that our practices are the right ones because we are the ones uh, implementing them. And I guess that looking at the future, I think that this has a lot of opportunities for, uh, you know, for get something a little more customized to our needs. Are there uh, any responses from insurance uh, brokers or underwriters in the chat? Are they, are they weighing in? Uh, no, I don't think I've seen anything specifically. There was a question about the use of data um, that would be collected from traveling and the trackers that are using it. And I think a colleague of yours, um, Katiana, uh, answered that more specifically to what AIC is doing. And then you even touched on it a little bit yourself right now, talking about the specifications that would probably come out from this. I will say this, one of the other questions that we've had come through is specifically for Tiffany at the Field Museum and whether or not... Uh, the field has been traveling shows just domestically or if they've started to travel things internationally. And maybe something both of you can speak to is in terms of managing loans that are across time zones or, or possibly internationally, how you've been doing that if say you have a large chunk of objects that you've shipped, but you have to be in the, you know, you have to have your virtual courier process with them. How do you manage that between these different time zones? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, to go back to the insurance question, I just wanted to confirm that it's been the exact same situation at the field. Uh, uh, we were in contact with our uh, broker and our representative, and um, it, I mean, it's, it's the exact same situation that it's kind of up to us because it's our standards um, that we are upholding and we are the ones who determine that. So we haven't had any issues with that thus far. Uh, regarding, so the Field Museum right now, we are, we've only been doing um, domestically. So uh, domestic venues, uh, we do have some that are slated. That's not for a while. So um, we would see what those look like. We do have a large exhibition that uh, we're working on that, um, has many uh, international uh, lenders. And uh, that, you know, of course, that's been postponed for a bit because everybody's been on pretty much lockdown. Uh, so we're just starting to revisit that. And it's going to be, uh, we don't know what it's going to look like yet. That has a lot of couriers. John, to your point, it has a lot of couriers coming in. And uh, th there was, you know, 
earlier before the pandemic, there was an issue of how we were going to stagger them between the time things arrived um, in Chicago and the time that they were actually installed. Um, and so how we would manage people coming, coming back and forth and um, limit that as much as possible. And I think that now that we know that there is a good deal of success with virtual careering, that that might be something that we use in the future, um, particularly with these more complex um, exhibitions that have all of these careers kind of going back and forth quite a bit uh, between venues and also um, between uh, arrival and installation. Okay, so um, we did get one response from uh, Adrian Reed of Huntington T Block that um, uh, that the insurance is very reactive. So if the as as Cayetana said, you know, if if we start implementing these procedures and they become a little bit more standardized, um, the insurance is really only going to start um, going up if they start to see. Uh, a large number of, of significant losses. So I think uh, that's good to have, um, you know, a, a broker's uh, point of view on that. Um, what else, um, uh, Amanda, what are you seeing? Uh, I'm just, there's a couple of questions that came in I'm trying to digest to share. Um, in terms of like the so we're talking about two different scenarios, right? We're talking about one-off loans that have a virtual courier, but we're also talking about, especially from Tiffany's perspective, we're traveling entire exhibits that have, you know, weeks worth of install time associated with them. And um, what the, the costs are of those two projects and the benefits of sending a virtual courier, maybe in one of those scenarios versus sending actually human beings in another scenario. Um, I don't know if there's more you both want to add to either of those things, but that seems to be a continuing conversation that's happening in the chat. And another thing that's come in is uh, indemnity and traveling careers with indemnified objects. And I'm not sure if either of you have had those experiences that you could speak to. Um, and I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I ha we have, we have sure. had that, um, that um, we had one one exhibition that I was covered with USUI and um, and it didn't go with a courier on the plane or on the track. It was just you know. Um, but at that point, it's like we can do other things but comply with USGI guidelines, of course. So if USGI says that we need a courier, then we'll send a courier. Having said that, um, you know, those guidelines were pre-COVID and we don't know if um, indemnity, you know, USGI is going to come with their own set of new rules and revise the requirements, for example, since, you know, once, once this uh, pr procedure becomes standardized and proven, it wouldn't surprise me that they want to revise their, the way they do things. But obviously, in our case, we would never do something that you know, we would we would totally comply with USGI. I think it would be interesting if um, you know we talked a little bit about the the amount of trust that it takes to manage things virtually, and that that goes to all the way down to if you're hiring bookend couriers um, or conservators or just trusting the 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 museum staff. Um, 
on the other end that you're loaning to, as opposed to having an objective third party. Um, and this is something that, that came up with uh, when we had the last conversation um, that uh, Stephanie brought up from MoMA that, you know, that they choose to trust the staff on the other end. Um, now, what happens is uh, if you operate under those policies, that means that you're only going to lend to institutions that you trust, right? Um, before, if you send a courier, an in-person courier, then you, then even if you are a little bit dubious about whether it's the venue or the the staff, because you just don't know them, you've never been there, you've never loaned there, then um, you, what, what I'm saying is that it could end up hurting smaller institutions or lesser known institutions. Um, is, I mean, is that a consideration uh, in your policy? This is, I'm kind of riffing off of a, a question asked by uh, Caitlin Corrigan in the chat, so. Yeah, I, I I think that um, one of the uh, you know of the of the comments from last chat last time the last chat is that you know inclusivity and equality you know and diversity comes into this conversation too, and so that's what I was making the point that AIC will not decide not to lend based on if I cannot send a courier I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lend I don't think that's the approach uh, I think that is is how to make let's say yes, and let's try to make it work with whatever uh, resources we have in place. And, um, and I think that, um, you know, the idea is that we set this example because we can, like the same way as because we are a big museum, we can demand couriers, even if they're not needed, because we can. And it feels kind of unfair for those medium, small size museums. And, but the idea is that we, we want to, um, and we'll share the policy with everyone. Um, we, our director is going to present, present it um, to AMD and to the VISO group. Uh, the idea is that everyone follows, you know, follows the example because you know, it's a practice that we all have enjoyed um, when, we, when we are the couriers and it's a, it's a good courier trip. But it not be fair for those that want to put up exhibitions that they have beautiful loans and that because we think they can't pay for a courier that then we're not going to lend, right? So um, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's certainly it's a, it's a conversation that is very, um, you know, it's very lively right now. Uh, but we don't think that we are not going to lend because a small museum doesn't have the, the you know, good professionals are everywhere doesn't matter if it's a small, medium museum, it could be a freelancer, it could be someone that is a reference from any of you guys that know someone, that's, that's the network that we want to set. And this is the other thing that probably, you know, something that we should all think is, you know, have this set of resources where there are professionals that we trust, that we have used a certain time. And if I haven't used, then maybe, you know, Tiffany has or someone else has and can give me, no, you know, that person was good because of that. And so all that pool of, of good resources, of good professionals, is that would allow us to lend to those museums that can pay for a physical career, for example. Right. And make us feel, you know, confident that we can make the loan. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think uh, for the field museum, you know, we do, uh, we make every effort uh, to, uh, you know, allow those that are interested in these exhibitions, uh, in presenting these exhibitions to do so. So, uh, you know, if we had to do a virtual courier, um, 
if for any reason we didn't go out anymore. Um, there is, and we were thinking about that early on uh, when we didn't know what this would look like. So uh, we were starting to, you know, record our, uh, the process of, you know, these kind of larger pieces and, and how they get into their cases and things like that. So we were creating that as part of the exhibition manual. Um, and, you know, that's something that would still, we don't know what's going to happen, right? Uh, so that's, some, that's a resource that is still there um, in the event that that does come up um, and we can't be there to install or deinstall. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so we have that. And I also, uh, we, we have some couriers that we trust too, but I think the idea, again, of having this network um, that we can all turn to uh, for these instances, if I don't have somebody that I know in that area and um, they might not have the staff there uh, to do this work, I think that that's, you know, a, another really great resource that will probably come out of this pandemic is us, you know, having, um, again, this like this network where we can, we can turn to people um, and uh, the last thing I'll say is that, you know, the other thing that's fortunate is that for our traveling exhibits, it's kind of formulaic. So we have it so that these are fairly easy to install. The installation is pretty easy. Um, everything, well, not everything, but most things travel on their mounts. Um, so it's really kind of a simplified way to install. And I like to think that that lends itself to um, flexibility if we can't be there. That's a really important point. I think, um, you know, perhaps we're going to have to adapt how we uh, travel the works themselves and um, and adjust for that so uh, so that it, it does facilitate a, an easier installation. Um, one thing that I've often thought about more is, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a lot of heat for this, but uh, exhibition copies. Um, you know, this is something that I've done with uh, places that couldn't afford uh, a loan before. And, um, you know, a lot of times you can have the artist, assuming it's contemporary. Uh, obviously, you can't do that with Sue the, the T-Rex, or, or maybe you could, you know, 3D print it on site. Um, but, um, you know, obviously, you know, there's, there's ethical reasons that you wouldn't want to do that or, or um, whatever the case is. But anyway, uh, these are other ways or potentially options uh, to, um, to think about going down the line. And we do travel casts of a lot, a lot of things. Um, so, you know, of course there's, there's the real element, um, but even for this exhibition, the, the real objects is, is an add on package. Um, so we have, we even have that flexibility of um, you don't have to take the real objects because it's more involved. Uh, there's so much more to it. Um, and uh, so we have that. And like I said, we also have the casts, so it, they are easier to travel. So it makes, you know, it makes them travelable, I guess. Yeah. Um, shoot some more questions out. We, um, we're getting closer to the end of the time, but I want to get as many questions in as possible. So let's, let's try and keep uh, answers short so we can get through some, some questions here just, just in case. All right. You ready for me to fire off a few? Fire away. All right. A big chat that's been happening throughout the whole talk is about security and, and specifically in terms of communications via Slack or other platforms. Have um, I guess this is a good question for AIC, but also Tiffany as well. Uh, have you had institutions sign release forms that kind of limit the uh, access to information and what have you? Or have you had instances where, like, how have you managed that type of communication? Because what you share with your broker is not necessarily information you need to share with, you know, your shipper, yada, yada, yada. 
I think that um, that's a good question. Um, so far, we haven't encountered anything uh, insurmountable uh, or people not wanting to be part of. I think that is very transparent. I think about it, that's, that's transparency is something that right now people appreciate. Um, and, and when it comes to security, we all going to follow whatever are the recommendations. And the same way that we had information before that we wouldn't share with the shipper or with the borrower or with the lender with different, this is the same way. We don't wanna, that's not breaching the confidentiality of anyone just because we're using different, different tools. So we haven't encountered anything. Any, um, anything else to add, Tiffany? No? Okay. This is a good question for um, Tiffany, specifically with the staff that you have traveling for the field uh, exhibits. I don't know if you could feel like you can talk a little bit about the protocols you have in place, uh, like PPE for staff that are traveling. Are you requiring them to be tested uh, for COVID and, and what kind of what that process looks like? And then a tag on to that, which maybe uh, either one of you could speak to is uh, HR issues in terms of managing staff time uh, like, are you seeing overtime, for example, like you would travel for a courier trip and it would be 24 hours of work, right? Mm -hmm. at, at some point during a work week, you'd start to hit overtime for your, for your staff that receive overtime. And so how has that been managed with uh, dealing with loans via time zones? Uh, to answer the question about our protocols, uh, so... There is, there is not a requirement that people... Um, test. There is a requirement to uh, track our temperature, um, which, uh, which I think we all know there, there might be something missing in that, uh, that a lot of people might be asymptomatic. Um, so that is a consideration. And I will state that all of our travel is voluntary. None of us have to go. Um, so uh, we, uh, we have for two, two weeks prior, we start tracking our temperature. Um, and obviously if we have any symptoms, we uh, don't go. Um, the same is done on the other side. Uh, and then there's temperature checks while we're on site. Um, so far like that, like that in itself has been, it's been successful and that we haven't had any issues. Um, I myself, I think that all of us, you know, we can choose, and we have to quarantine when we return. Um, that's, uh, Illinois, uh, Chicago specific, as well as the museum. Um, so we quarantine and we can't go into the museum for two weeks. Um, I, uh, have, I, I've asked about, uh, COVID testing and we'll see where that goes. Um, but right now I do it myself before I leave and after I return. Um, I think that a lot of my team members do. And I also will say that, um, unlike it, what was it? Uh, Marie's team of, you know, many, many people, we're a very small team. Uh, that travels. So there are uh, about six of us typically, depending on the exhibition, but usually it's about six of us. Uh, so yes, that's, that's worked so far. Now there are, I think that there are a lot of things that, that are difficult to, and that we don't have answers for. Um, for example, if somebody is on the road and unwell, but very clearly it's not, it's not, even potentially COVID related um, and them sort of explaining that while keeping, you know, we have this confidentiality issue of our medical, medical uh, information and how, 
how to manage that, um, but while still, you know, ensuring the trust of our colleagues at that host venue. Um, so that's something that we've we've come across, and it's just um, this kind of really gray area of how to handle that. Um, so we've encountered those things, and you know, quite honestly, like it's something that we consider and it's something that we talk about, but there's no solid answer to those things um, thus far. And uh, I think as we move along, um, we probably will have more clarification on that kind of thing. I can't um, there's another question to another part of that question. There were a lot of questions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, we, yeah, so PPE, that's, um, we have masks, we have those things uh, supplied by uh, the Field Museum. Of course, we often, you know, wear, wear our own masks as well, but they have provided us things, uh, those things, um, the people, you know, as necessary, people have had their N95s and things like that. So um, that has all been supplied by the Field Museum. And everything is covered um, by the Field Museum. So uh, all of the work that we're doing is um, is covered by our insurance and things like that. So we're coming up towards the, the end here. Uh, Amanda, you have uh, one more question that uh, we can uh, throw out there before we wrap it up? Yes, and it was something that was brought up about budgeting. Um, it sounds like some of the people in the chat are getting pressure to, when it comes to planning next fiscal year's budget, lessen the numbers uh, with relation to exhibition projects and as they relate to career costs. And it feels a little soon to be doing that without really understanding the future of this. Um, so I was curious if you, if you both wanna talk a little bit about your experience in terms of planning and moving forward. Yeah, I think that's certainly uh, that's just kind of like the, the unknown, right? Um, so we based everything in two things. One, that we are um, launching, we're actually uh, working under this new policy where we commit to not send couriers unless duly justified. Those exceptions are very prescriptive and very clear. So we think, and, and then we follow with all the wide we can't do this, right? It's because we are implementing all these alternatives that all together give us the confidence that our object is going to be well managed. So the idea is that we have that and what we think is good for our collection, we think is going to be good for whomever lends to us. Obviously, when you are doing a budget, you don't know that, right? So again, and this is what I would like to kind of like close everything to say that our professionalism and our human touch is when, you know, those things that we think now that we don't need a human to be, uh, you know, every step of the way when the art is in motion, all that uh, capability, we're going to have to devote it in these other things. And so being persuasive and the ability to negotiate that we have because we are close to the lender and tell them how good our practices are is what probably the people that are in the exhibition side of things are going to have to uh you know to just like try to be persuasive and convinced that and show that other the lender what are the things that we need to do so I think that once, I think that we are in the worst part because we are setting certain uh, standards, but the more standardized everything is, the more, the more institutions will follow and then we'll be able to kind of like have few 
fewer courier, couriers and be able to budget. But yeah, I totally understand right now it's a little bit of a, uh, you know, but how do we budget? And, and so yes or no question. Um, so it looks like your virtual courier program is is here to stay for the for the time being, right? Yes. Yeah. All right, Tiffany, you want to take a take a swing at that? Uh, sure. I think that we will certainly uh, utilize some of the things uh, that uh, that we've implemented thus far uh, with virtual couriering. Um, I think for our for the traveling exhibits program specifically, I think that we will always stick with our couriers just because it also involves the installation and um, of entire exhibitions. Uh, so that I think that we will um, return to uh, sort of whatever normal might be whenever we might be able to, uh, but with our, um, with incoming and anything, anything else that uh, requires a courier uh, coming through aside from our traveling exhibits program, I think that there, it probably will be some kind of hybrid. Yeah. And I think a lot of it will be on a case by case basis um, for, for a while. Yeah. So basically you are, um, requiring couriers currently, but you will remain open and are exploring using virtual slash bookend whatever couriers moving forward, right? Yeah, and 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 particularly with incoming loans, um, we we would look at that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any final thing that we need to address, Amanda, before we kind of close it out? No, hopefully we got to um, everyone's questions. That they had, we try. I tried to address all of them. I promise. Um, but as always, anyone can certainly follow up and send us an email at info at arcs info.com.org. I mean, dot org. Yes. Dot org. Sorry, <laughs> we are a nonprofit. Uh, um, so, but no, we're good. So it, what, what's what's uh, also great news, um, I think, for the field is that uh, you know this this topic made it uh, nationally. Uh, NPR um, this weekend on Saturday. Uh, had a had a a segment on as a four minute segment on virtual couriers and the you know how cultural objects are uh, moving around during this pandemic and I thought it was really interesting because our good friend former ARCS president Jacqueline Cabrera was interviewed for it and you know we had her uh, on February of last year gosh it's been almost a year just before the pandemic uh, to talk couriers because she was heading up the courier training one of the courier trainings that ARCS was putting together in March. So uh, it's great to see that this is getting uh, um, recognized and um, and that it was in fact a registrar, not a curator that was interviewed for that. So <laughs> not that we have a chip on our shoulder. Um, so um, with that, uh, we're, it, if you don't have that link uh, to the NPR segment, uh, we'll, we'll try and uh, put it in the chat, um, but I think it is available uh, elsewhere. Um, gosh, this, this topic just, you know, it's so uncertain. Every institution is creating their own policy, and I think what's interesting about uh, Art Institute is that they're one of the most, um, one of the largest institutions that has a very clear, um, very public policy about doing this. So I imagine we're going to see more and more institutions um, developing their own, and maybe you know with tweaks. But I think probably by this time next year, we're going to have a more or less standard idea of what um, you know sending works and objects um, to exhibitions without, you know, people from your institution as couriers is going to look like. And uh, it's, it's a pretty exciting time to, to, to think about it. So um, with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up. Um, 
we have our next arcs chat uh what is it february the first tuesday in february 2nd it's going to be a collaboration with two other podcasts pack and chat and uh art pro net if you haven't listened to art pro net very good it's going to be about the collaboration involved between uh the installation uh crew as well as the registrar crew so you do not want to miss that because we got uh, some great people from Packin. Uh, it's it's going to be the full California this time. So uh, everyone's going to be from, from Los Angeles. So um, that alone is worth listening to. Um, so uh, with that, we're going to start uh, closing it out. Remember to hit the subscribe button on YouTube so that you get notifications every time we go live or add a new video. Um, as always, we're going to try and put this podcast out uh, the Friday after. So you want to uh, definitely subscribe to Arcs Chat on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or what's the other one? Spotify. There you go. So um, with that, um, I think that we can wrap it up. Thanks so much for listening uh, and, and for all of your questions and comments in the chat. And uh, all of those comments in, uh, are available when you watch YouTube after. So, great. Thank you so much, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. February 2nd, same time. Take care. Go wash your hands.